With this combination of the pandemic and the racial reckoning, there was a lot of pain here. We're trying to normalize the fact that we may be all in different places of grief and processing our grief and also trying to let people that it's okay. I think it does put you in an incredible position to share the grieving process and the loss process and coping with the diverse emotions that COVID has brought to bear. The silver lining, if you're looking for one, um, there aren't that many, but I do think one of them has been just this highlighted focus on mental health in general. Hello and welcome to the Permanente Medicine Podcast. I'm Chris Grant, your host and Chief Operating Officer of the Permanente Federation. Today's podcast episode is being recorded remotely so we can follow safe social distancing practices with our guests. We have three amazing doctors on the line today who are at the forefront of supporting the health and well-being of their fellow Permanente physicians, a job that's been more critical because of the COVID-19 pandemic and other events that have transpired over the last year and a half. Because we have so much to cover, this is the first of a two-part special podcast. Calling into the show today are Dr. Don Clark, an OBGYN and Chief Wellness Officer for the Southern California Permanente Medical Group. Dr. Ashley Zucker, a psychiatrist for the Southern California Permanente Medical Group and Chief of the Department of Psychiatry for Kaiser Permanente San Bernardino. And Dr. Reggie Mason, a pulmonologist and physician lead for total health and enculturation with the Southeast Permanente Medical Group in Georgia. Welcome, everybody. It's a full house today, and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Good morning. Greetings. Great to be here. All right. Well, let's get going. It's clear the last year and a half have been taxing for all of society between COVID-19, widespread social unrest, and natural disasters. With all this going on, it can be easy to overlook caring for those who care for us. I'm curious to hear how this convergence of exceptional events has put a spotlight on physician wellness and what's being done on this front. Dr. Clark, let's start with you, and then we'll go on to Dr. Zucker and Dr. Mason. Great. Thanks, Chris. Well, as you know, COVID-19 brought with it new science and data really on a daily basis. It disrupted our normal operations and put our physicians, our staff and their families, and of course our patients in harm's way. I think a fundamental distrust in science and government made the last 18 months particularly exhausting in the healthcare field. It was really hard to have no cure and limited treatment options and to witness so many people die alone. So this was certainly a cause of moral injury for many of our folks. At first, our leadership worked tirelessly to get our teams what they needed, specifically PPE. And then they created dashboards for transparency of data and were able to move our people and supplies around the region to support our hotspots. We had a regional town halls to keep everyone up to speed with our rapidly changing operations and people really tuned in and they were present and fully engaged. Those of us who were in charge of physician and staff wellness work with our peer supporters as far as debrief sessions go and also one-on-one. We also had so many mental health sessions 
that were just drop-in for anybody who wanted to spend some time with a professional. As you mentioned, as if the pandemic weren't enough, healthcare disparities within the pandemic and social injustice in our country were highlighted and we had to take action. We had several listening sessions with our physicians and staff who shared their own stories regarding social injustice and our EID teams put together a powerful strategic plan to move forward. We know that the people are the heart and soul of Permanente. And for us, the spotlight has been great. It has given us an opportunity to build upon the amazing work that we've already done. Wow, so much mobilization, so much learning so rapidly with so many care providers at the same time. It sounds incredible. And I can imagine at moments overwhelming. Dr. Zucker, how about you? Tell us about your experience. Thank you. I absolutely agree with everything Dr. Clark said about just how challenging it's been to be a physician in the past year and a half. But I also you know, want to remind folks that it was hard to be a physician even before COVID was here. And Dr. Clark has worked tirelessly for years on physician wellness, and we've really known that that's a significant overlooked problem for many, many decades. And so I think COVID has really just highlighted that even more. You know, I always like to remind folks that doctors are people too. It's often thought that we're sort of superheroes and a lot of that was highlighted early on in the pandemic, but then things sort of transitioned where, you know, physicians almost became the bad guys in a sense. And so that is very demoralizing and very disheartening to physicians. And I think really puts things in a different light when you've dedicated your life to caring for others and then feel like maybe that's not being respected as it should be. So I think that's just so important to know that physicians have emotions and they feel things just like anyone else. They have mental health problems just like anyone else. The silver lining, if you're looking for one, um, there aren't that many, but (laughs) I do think one of them has been just this highlighted focus on mental health in general and really a significant emphasis on decreasing the stigma of mental illness, of mental health impacts, and of seeking help and seeking mental health care. COVID really kind of brought it to that breaking point where it was just so clear that people almost had no option but to get that help. We've done a lot of different sessions on mental health. I've done several grand rounds myself about just coping skills, strategies, dealing with grief and loss during COVID. You know, even as physicians, we've never faced the amount of death that we've seen in the last year and a half. And that's incredibly challenging to navigate and to manage. And then I think to see this next tidal wave coming directly at us head on right now is just another huge stressor and huge impact. And so just speaks to how important it is to continue this work. You know, I think one of the most important things we can do is to just continue having these conversations. And that's not just for us as physicians, but really for everyone. You know, as physicians, we're often looked on as leaders. And as leaders, one of the most important things we can do is talk about our mental health and the things that we do for ourselves to improve our own mental health and how we can normalize seeking that care, just like we would for any of our patients. That's great insight. Dr. Mason. When I look at your role as a pulmonologist and leading the total health and enculturation program in Georgia, it's almost two overwhelming roles in the midst of COVID. Tell us a little bit about your observations on the last 
year and a half and the impact on physician wellness. Thanks for the opportunity. And I certainly agree with Drs. Clark and Zucker that we really had to be transformational as an organization to put ourselves in a position to care for each other. I also want to mention that Remember, our leaders at the highest level were also under a lot of stress. And I think here in Georgia, I have been here a long time, and I know the folks who engineered a lot of the work in order to get our work done, and they were under stress too. They had pain too, and they did such a great job of modeling, making it okay to not be okay. I'm a runner, so I've learned that, of course, as I've aged, you sort of do a lot of prehab, you, you know, you strengthen your quadriceps muscle to prevent injury. Maybe you do squats and other things to make those muscles strong to protect the joints. And I think in Georgia, we have done a lot of sort of mental prehab over the last few years that has helped us to be a bit more resilient as COVID has come upon us. So we've had these narrative medicine sessions, you know, narrative medicine is seizes on the idea that physicians and other practitioners are whole people. Narrative medicine tries to foster a sense of trust and self-discovery within each person. And so members of the healthcare teams, really on a local level, had these sessions where practitioners talked about their experiences in healthcare and what's been particularly painful or inspiring for them. Things that we might do in the hallway just normally, but they were a little bit more programmatic and gave people a little more space and safety to talk about how they were affected and just to expose their humanity. Here in Georgia, we have, I believe, the highest percentage of African-American physicians in the program. And so with this combination of the pandemic and the racial reckoning, there was a lot of pain here. Something you watch on TV reminds you of the injustice you have faced as an individual. And then you go to work and see how African-Americans and other people of color have been unfortunately, disproportionately affected by the pandemic. Our special assistant to the medical director for uh, racial issues has given all of us an opportunity to express our concerns and our pain around that issue. And unfortunately, last year I was dealing with COVID in the ICU, trying to keep myself safe. And I also lost my brother to COVID. So that was tough, but I think that prehab of the normalization and destigmatization of saying, you know, I'm hurting, really helped a lot as Ashley has noted, Dr. Zucker. Well, I call her Dr. Zucker, but I think I'm gonna call her Ashley now. (laughs) We sort of know each other now. So Ashley talked about that. I think that's so critical to our healing as a region and as a program. Wow, great insight. And well, first, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. And I think it does put you in an incredible position to share both with other physicians, clinicians, and patients the grieving process and the loss process and coping with the diverse emotions that COVID has brought to bear. I also really appreciate that you've raised the inequities in healthcare as a result of race and the impact on that on care providers and and on patients. Peer support among Permanente physicians, a community of more than 23,000 individuals, has been critical for getting through these challenging times. 
each of you talked about the physician and clinician communities and how they've rallied around each other over the last year. Dr. Clark, do you have stories from seeing this firsthand? Oh yeah, there are so many stories. First and foremost, just the physicians, many of them left what they normally do on a day-to-day basis to really pitch in and help cover hospitalized patients, COVID and non-COVID patients. And they did so with really a lot of compassion for those folks in the ED and critical care and urgent care, knowing that our fellow physicians were suffering and that we really needed to jump in and do our fair share to help them. One of the things that we did in Southern California was we introduced this 55 word story challenge and that was at the beginning of the pandemic. And this prompt was to share um, how we were doing in the midst of the pandemic. And we weren't sure how it would go over, but the response we had was really overwhelming. We collected so many more stories than we ever expected. I feel like the small program had the effect of not only giving us the ability to share what we were witnessing, but noting that our fellow physicians were suffering too. To Dr. Mason's point earlier, we are community and we all were suffering. In terms of peer support, Chris, in Southern California, we are happy that we had a really nice peer support program that was already in place. And between 2019 and 2020, our service increased over 200%. And in 2021, we're probably going to double the number of peers supported from 2020. So this is a really important part of our organization and our peer supporters are just this incredible group of selfless physicians from all specialty who donate their time to support the colleagues. As a group, we went out and proactively debriefed with some of the hardest hit specialties and areas. And I was able to attend many of these sessions and I'll testify personally that these were incredibly powerful. Our attendees never dropped off. Many were able to share their feelings. Many broke down and cried. But I'll tell you that everyone listened. No one dropped off. And the other thing is I mentioned earlier about our town halls. Well, now we've dedicated several town halls and several more are to come that we're going to be talking about things like grief and PTSD and post-traumatic growth and self-care. And again, we're trying to normalize the fact that we may be all in different places of grief and processing our grief and also trying to let people that it's okay. And Again, as Dr. Zucker mentioned earlier, trying to destigmatize the need for asking for help. And then I think finally in Southern California, we've spent a lot of time on a program called Rise and Renew. And this program is a national program, but it may be called different things in different regions. But Rise and Renew is really focused on providing long-term mental health support for our people. Any other uh, stories that Dr. Zucker, Dr. Mason, that you've experienced that you'd like to share? You know, we have an orientation program for new employees. And of course, last year we did it by Zoom. And myself and the coordinator were worried that it would just lose its punch on Zoom, that not being in person would be problematic. So this was in November, right after the election. And I said, you know what, maybe we should just talk about the transition, what's happened in the past few months politically. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of risky. But super interestingly, we ended up hearing a lot from physicians who were immigrants and about the anti-immigrant narrative 
that had been going on or that has been going on in our country. Right. And people told individual stories about their journey to this country and their journey to medicine. And these were just tremendously heart-wrenching stories. One person said that someone helped her get from, I don't remember, one state to another. And she wouldn't have been able to do it, but she had $40. And that $40 she got from someone helped her to get into a program that helped her to get into junior college, that helped to get into her to get into college, that helped her to get into medical school, all for 40 bucks, you know? And it was so powerful on Zoom. And so I think we also realized that if you wear your heart on your sleeve, it's gonna be evident, whether it's on Zoom or in person or what have you. And there was such celebration of the fortitude of those individuals to make it. That was very heartwarming. Thank you for listening to the Permanente Medicine Podcast. That concludes part one of our interview. There's a lot more fascinating insight to come as this conversation continues. So be sure to listen to part two. You can stream other episodes of our podcast by visiting Permanente.org or by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'll see you next time. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of Kaiser Permanente, the Permanente Medical Groups, or the Permanente Federation.